the very latest from our local ag industry. The Farming Show with Dylan Honkoop is next on KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM and KGMI.com. Pack your bags. It's time for Fun in the Sun with Barron's Spring Break Getaway Giveaway. Any Barron purchase now through February 29th enters you for a chance to win. Whether it's a new comfort system, maintenance, or a tankless water heater, you could win a trip for four. Cabo, Hawaii, or cruising the Pacific. Picture yourself soaking up the rays with Barron's Spring Break Getaway Giveaway. And that's not all. Save up to $7,000 on an energy-efficient Daikin Fit Enhanced Heat Pump, providing year-round comfort that both heats and cools. Plus, it qualifies for the 25C tax credit. Or choose same-as-cash financing. Install today and pay nothing until next year. Every Barron purchase could be your ticket to a dream destination in Barron's Spring Break Getaway Giveaway all February. And Barron's Silver Shield members get 10 extra entries. Not a member? Sign up today. Don't wait for that ship to sail. Call now. Barron, your full-service HVAC, electrical, and plumbing contractor. Our mission, improving lives. No purchase necessary. Visit BarronHeating.com for details. Are you looking for an auto shop that offers honest quality service? Hi, I'm Kirk, owner of Angler Automotive. At Angler Automotive, we strive to make sure that all of your automotive service needs are met. Angler Automotive provides the factory recommended services that are required to maintain your vehicle's warranty. Angler Automotive, outstanding quality with honest, reliable service. Check us out online at anglerautomotive.com. MyBellinghamNow.com is an exciting new news site covering Bellingham, Whatcom, and surrounding areas. Breaking news, community and business updates, local crime and sports reports, the stories that connect us and make this an incredible place to call home. Connect with our community like never before on the all-new MyBellinghamNow.com. And the best part, it's 100% free. No news hidden behind a paywall ever. MyBellinghamNow.com. Your community, your news, just a click away. MyBellinghamNow.com. It just keeps getting worse. So many pressures on farming. And people are to the breaking point. We see farms going out of business as a result of the additional pressures, you know, whether it's fuel costs or questions about water rights or loss of farmland to to buffer proposals and there's so many things. And, and of course, another pressure that's hugely driving costs on a lot of crops that are, are special and important to Washington State specifically that are labor intensive. Our labor costs, not only you know, minimum wages and, and higher minimum wages in areas where the guest worker program is used, but also now agricultural overtime, as we've talked a lot about on this program, has driven costs up and what to do. A lot of farms are to the point where the only way they can survive is to back away from giving people that many hours because they just can't pencil um, what it costs to pay time and a half if people during a busy season are, are working uh, beyond 40 hours a week. Welcome to the Farming Show. Dylan Honkoop here on KGMI. Uh, you don't have to take my word for it, though, on this. Uh, we have a, a pear farmer 
uh, joining us, an orchardist from Kashmir, Alex Lanusa, joins us on the program. He's somebody that I met uh, this fall, actually during harvest time, um, and talked with a bunch of his workers there who are very frustrated with this overtime situation because it's meant less hours, less money in their pockets. And Alex, very frustrated as well because it's created more headaches for him, more costs for him, um, and it's putting the future of his farm in question. And Alex, thanks for being here. Talk about what what this situation has meant for your farm overall so far. You know, this is something that we talked about, and I imagine things are only that much more tough now that we're into 2024, and that threshold for overtime is all the way down to 40 hours a week. Yes. Uh, first of all, thank you for giving me the opportunity to talk about this. Uh, it's it's uh, It's really, really tough for us farmers to um tackle this one now you know over time um it is very difficult because uh the price went up the minimum wage went up everything goes up and our prices on pairs are slightly below last year Mm. so that does not help at all and probably over the last 10 or 15 years it probably hasn't gone up that much either i know that's the case the fruit crops here in in Western Washington that you know, there's a general trend, but it doesn't anywhere close to keep up with with the uh, the cost of inflation and, and the cost of living. True, yeah, no, they've been business. exactly no, they've been they've been where they're at or slightly below. You know, they're just it, it hasn't been a good year, honestly, in a while, um, and it's because you know, and now everything more expensive and it just makes it worse. What what are you thinking in terms of your farm right now? I know uh, when I talked with you during harvest, you were saying you weren't sure what was going to happen with your farm. No, and we're still not sure. Um, you know, things keep going like this. How many how many uh, red number years do you really support? Hmm. You know, that's not that's nobody can handle more than one, honestly. Yeah. So <laughs> if uh, if things continue going the way they are. Um, we will pull the pear trees out and and sell for housing. Lots. That's all we can do. There it is right there. I mean, and that's what people don't want. They don't want to see small family farms go away. They don't want to see f- productive, rich farmland that's right now producing food instead be paved over and put houses on. But you're in a situation where, like you said, red numbers, you know, being in the red, you can't do that year after year after year. Your banker is going to say, forget it. You're done. You're bankrupt. I mean, if, if you keep going, that's what happens, right? And so what other choice do a lot of folks like yourself have but to, but to go that route and say, we're done? Well, why? <laughs> and then what happens to the land? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, what happens is that, you know, um, you pull out the trees and, and, and you plant houses mm. and uh, you'll never get the farming ground again. You'll never <laughs> you'll never recover that. Um, and then we'll be in the in the buying fruit from another country that honestly, you know, that they don't do or don't don't follow uh, your global gap programs that we follow here for food quality, for food safety. They don't follow any of that. So they can farm for cheaper. Their um, their workers only get uh, what not even a quarter of what we pay here. Mm-hmm. So they can afford to do that, and and then we're gonna have to buy that fruit. Well, because there won't be Washington fruit in the store anymore. There won't be exactly. <laughs> 
And, and yeah. you know, it's interesting. You, you told me about this issue of, of you know, what to do when you, you can't make the numbers work anymore and having, you know, the, the specter of having to sell out for housing, like you said, which most farmers don't want to do. You know, they don't want to see their beautiful orchards go away. And same thing over here in western Washington, the dairy farms, the berry farms, et cetera. They don't want to see those go away. But if they have no other choice but to go bankrupt or do that, it's it's heartbreaking. And you, you talked to me about that when I was out there. And I have always thought of that as more of a western Washington problem. And I was not aware just how much that was starting to happen in Eastern Washington now too, but it's already happening there, right? I mean, you were pointing out different, you know, areas just around you where it's already starting to occur. Yes. No. And not, not only around me, um, we already started doing that. We already started um, uh, taking some acreage and, and dividing that into some, some lots to sell so we can get money to keep farming. Just to be able to make ends meet. Exactly. So we already started doing that Mm. because we can't afford it. Alex, and again, we're talking with Alex Lanuza. He's a farmer in Kashmir, Washington, grows pears. Um, He's done other tree fruit as well in the past. Talk about your story a little bit. I mean, a lot of this, you know, we're talking about wages and labor pressures. um, and, And it's not just wages that are pressures, but it's also just the availability of labor, trying to find people who will do the work. Um, you grew up in that realm working on farms, right? You, you know how this all goes. Exactly. Yes. So I started, uh, I started working in the orchards back in, uh, 1985. Wow. Uh, I started working in the orchards and, uh, as you know, I started spraying, started mowing. And then, uh, as the years went by, I was able to buy into an orchard and, um, and that's how I became, uh, I guess you can say, uh, uh, a real farmer or a mm-hmm. farmer with orchard. Uh, and in the past, I always worked in the orchard. So, I, so I've been in the orchard for the last 35 years. Been working wow. in the orchard. Yes. And um, the 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 thing that the workers liked back then was you could work 60 hours with no problem. And uh, even though you know we we're getting paid minimum wage, um, we had enough money to. Uh, actually you could, by then you could qualify to buy a house and, and you still have a little bit of money left over to take your wife out to dinner. Mm-hmm. Now, now, even though our rates are higher, minimum wages is, is twice. Now minimum wage is 1625 back then it used to be $8. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, but now we only work, we only work, uh, 40 hours at 16 something, you know, we're making 500 bucks a week. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that you're making $2,000 a month. That's not, doesn't qualify. doesn't get you to buy a house for your mortgage payment. Um, let alone everything else that comes along with it. You know, your car payment, you just, you can't. What do you say, you know, since you've been on both sides of this coin as, as the farmer, the orchardist, now you've been the farm worker as well. You, you know how it all works together or doesn't work as it seems like it's heading to now. How do you explain this to people who say, well, why don't you just pay overtime and people deserve overtime? And, you know, there's a lot of those conversations out there and, and people who haven't been around farming don't generally understand that there is a difference. But how do you explain it and how do you show 
that it's not just farmers being greedy and withholding wages from people that they otherwise should deserve. It's very easy. Our prices per pair doesn't justify us being able to pay the overtime. It's not that we're greedy and we don't want to pay it. No, we can't pay it. That's why we're we're complaining because we cannot pay it. The workers know, they know too, that they're not going to get overtime because, because the farmers are not rich. The farmers don't have the money. Um, so they, instead of waiting for five hours of overtime in the week, they prefer to work 10, 8, 18 hours, whatever they need to work more. They prefer that than to wait to see if, if they might get five hours of overtime. Yep. And that's, yeah. that's what I did when I was working on the farm, when I was young, you know, during, cause I grew up on a red raspberry farm over here in, in Western Washington I wanted to get as many hours as I could, and I know that if I would have been required to pay, be paid time and a half over 40, it would have been like, well, okay, whoa, whoa, at 40 hours, that's it. Um, exactly. And I would have been, I would have been ticked. Honestly, I would have made a lot less money in my summers because that's when the hours are there. You can't just pick up the hours in the fall or the winter, you know, depending on the season and the crop that you're dealing with. You have to get the hours when they're there because they're not there year round. Exactly. Exactly. Um, that's, the, that's the thing, you know. Um, and that was a good, good thing, I guess, about working in, in, the, in the orchards and the agriculture because you could work, uh, you could work ten hours a day. Actually, we got to work twelve hours a day um, when when there's a lot of work and the farmers need you, um, and it was awesome. We we felt we had good fat checks. Now, um, even though, like I say again, even though the the minimum wage is up, they're not gonna get them. So you start losing interest of working in the orchard because. Um, you can work 40 hours in the orchard, but you can also work 40 hours uh, any other job. Yeah, yeah that's true. Pay, that's a good point. So, why, why people would still work, you know, it's hard work. And, and it is, yeah. you know, it, but so some people have said, you know, why does anybody do this farm work? Well, it used to be a way that you could make a lot of money quick if you wanted to. Um, yes. And, and that's going away. So it's really exacerbating the problem that people have complained about, that people can't make very much money doing farm work. Well, they're actually making that worse with this rule. They're making it worse because everybody knows that for the agriculture, we're, we are low on, on labor guys. You know, there's not many workers out there. Uh, the, the third generation kids don't want to look towards the orchards. They don't want to work in agriculture they rather, you know, have a, a job in an office with a computer and, and they're fine. You know, that's what they, they want to do. They don't want to go back in the orchard. So now let's say I need 10 guys in the orchard to work for me for the, for the season. Well, now I'm going to have to bring 14 guys in order to, to get my job done and, uh, and, and keep it on the 40 hours. Okay. We don't have 10 guys. Do you think we're going to get 14? <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> we're not <laughs> exactly it's gonna be harder it's, it's gonna be harder yeah this is the farming show on kgmi i'm dylan honkoop um, with save family farming uh, i'm talking with alex lanuza he's a farmer in Kashmir, washington 
which for those of you uh, who haven't been there recently, as I have been multiple times lately, it's been awesome to get over on the east side and see some of the different farming over there, especially all the orcharding that goes on. Uh, that's just outside of, say, Wenatchee. Lots of folks familiar with that. Kind of uh, between Wenatchee and Leavenworth. People know where that is. So that's what we're talking about, that hilly country out there. It's really great for, for tree fruit, um, like what Alex grows with pears and a lot of other you know cherries and uh, certainly a lot of apples. Wenatchee, known as the apple, apple capital of the world. Uh, speaking of the capital... Uh, Alex, there were a lot of workers that came to the state capitol uh, just a, a number of days ago. Talk about that as well, the message that they were sending there. That was pretty amazing to see. Yes, that was. It was a big turnout. And all those, all those workers were there because they, they know that they're not going to benefit at all for the over, from the overtime. They rather work than 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 wait for overtime, you know, or 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 rely on the government, mm-hmm. you know. They rather work than to go and ask for food stamps. They they rather work, so that's why they were there. Yeah, it, it, what were what was the nature of the conversations you were having with the workers around there? What were they saying to you? Uh, I think you know the TV cameras captured what they were chanting as far as no overtime, we want to work. What were some of the stories that you were hearing from folks? Well, some of the stories were uh, that, hey, with my 40 hours, I'm not going to pay my rent. I, mm. Yeah, so that's what they were worried about. Hey, 40 hours is not going to pay my rent. We need to work. And, and, and yes, honestly, we know we need to work. Um, so letting them work will benefit them more than wanting to wait for the, for the overtime. Now, of course, some out there also are saying, well, you know, farming just has a business model problem. Obviously, the first thing you should do, and I'm paraphrasing some, some Twitter chatter about this issue on posts that we've done recently at Save Farming on Twitter, uh, the Save Family Farming Twitter account, um, people responding saying, well, farming, obviously, if, if, if you can't pay your workers what they are owed – air quotes you know um as far as overtime um then you must have a bad bad business model and you need to figure out something else in terms of profitability to be able to pay people better what what would your response be to those folks i i think you know are are they are they ready to get their fruit from somewhere else exactly exactly that's our that's our bad model right there it's our price it's a price that we're getting paid for our product, you know? Yep. Um, yes. And, and, and they complain about the price, but yes, they're not supporting us. So yeah, I guess that's what they're going to do. They're going to end up getting it from yeah. another country. So, you know, if we pull our orchards out, then they're going to be happy. Yeah. <sighs> that's a, that's a sorry state of affairs if that's where we end up, but that's what this is pushing. And, and it's just, it takes a lot to get people to believe that it's true. And we're, we're not crying wolf here. We're not making up a narrative. We're not just trying to protect people who are trying to get rich off of, you know, workers as some of the false narratives have gone. This is real. As we are saying, um, Alex, did you happen to watch that hearing uh, that happened a few days after the rally in Olympia where this idea of seasonality was brought up, the proposal, um, Senate Bill 5476 that came up uh, again 
people talking about a, a 12 week window where people would be allowed to go up to 50 hours a week, let workers make more money um, and help farmers get crops in. D- did you watch that hearing? Do you have any reaction to some of the things that were said about that? Um, honestly, I did not. I did okay. not. I wanted to, but I was on the orchard working with the guy, so I did not yeah. get a chance. I think it was at 10 o'clock, right? Yeah. 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 No, I didn't. No, and that and that's okay because you're actually doing things. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and what was depressing about that meeting was, you know, there were activists who came and testified against this bill that would help farm workers make more money. And the activists claimed to advocate for farm workers, yet they were ac- they were advocating against the bill that would help farm workers. And interestingly enough, they were even mentioning the rally um, that happened, saying that those workers, know, again, I'm paraphrasing here, don't know what they were talking about or were had been deceived by the farms into, you know, asking for no overtime and. They they just really didn't know what was what was best for them what was how it came across. I don't know if you've heard any of that or seen any of that on social media or anything like that. But how do you respond to people who are, you know, pushing against something that's designed to help workers and saying that the the workers that are pushing for it and rallying don't know what they're talking about? I, how do you say that th- the three hundred people that we have all, uh, Alex, did those folks look like they didn't know what they were talking about to you? Yeah, no, actually, uh, <laughs> the people who are against it is who, who don't know who, what they're talking about. I've had this talk with my workers. I've had this talk more than once, and and they know that this is not benefit for them. This is only shrinking their check. You know, every two weeks they're shrinking their check. Um, so they were everybody that was there knows exactly what was going on, knows exactly what they were asking for. Yeah. So, yeah, no, Every if they were there, it's because they are totally against the overtime because they would rather work than sit around and wait for the overtime. Yep, yep. And I think it's, you know, I, I would say it's uh, offensive um, and insulting that these people were trying to suggest, especially since they claimed to advocate for them, yet they were suggesting they yeah. – the same people that they say they're advocating for don't know what they're talking about and they know better. It's pretty twisted. If you ask me, Alex Lanusa, he's a pear farmer in Kashmir, Washington, checking in with us on the farming show this morning. Alex, thanks for what you do growing great food. And, and thanks for taking the time to be on the program this morning. We really appreciate your time. Well, thank you very much. Uh, and thank you for all your help that you're uh, doing for us and uh, hope we can get somewhere uh, with our message, because uh, if this continue, we're going to have less and less orchards and less and less fruit. Thank you. We all have our go-tos, right? The doctor you trust, the dentist you rely on, the restaurant you love. What makes them your go-to? It's trust, isn't it? Hi, this is Dan from Bellingham Automotive, your go-to for auto repairs in Whatcom County since 1991. Whether you're using your car for ride-sharing, delivery services, mobile office, maybe just a taxi for your kids and their friends, or it's just personal transportation, we're here to keep you on the road. We're proud to have a team of technicians and service advisors who have been with us for years. They can help you find that strange noise or figure out what that warning light is trying to tell you. They can perform regular maintenance to keep your car up to date and your new car warranty intact. 
We know you're busy, so we also offer a local shuttle service and an after-hour drop-off and pickup options to help take the hassle out of your auto repair. So if you don't have a trusted go-to for your vehicles, please give us a call at 360-676-5200 or visit bellinghamautomotive.com to schedule an appointment. Hey, this is Lisa Stofan. Heard the Mark Patrick weight loss hypnosis hype? Well, I attended because my father stopped smoking with hypnosis. Hypnosis eliminated my desire for soda and fast food, made me want to exercise, and I lost 60 pounds in six months. My energy level exploded. I went to another session to deal with some other problem foods, and I lost another 10 pounds. In fact, I brought my husband. He lost weight. More important, cholesterol and blood pressure improved. My friend went, and she lost 20 pounds in the first two months. So does Mark Patrick hypnosis work? Oh yeah, it works. Nothing has changed my life more. Well, except maybe my husband. He's so proud of me. Makes me cry. What are you waiting for? Join Mark Patrick seminars and lose the weight or stop smoking guaranteed. Early bird special, only $49.99. That's right. Weight loss seminar, Friday, February 23rd at the Holiday Inn and Suites Bellingham at 5.30. Stop smoking seminar at 8 p.m. with registration 30 minutes prior to each session. Sign up at markpatrickseminars.com. The latest local news and important topics of the day from the West Mechanical Studio. No gimmicks, just the highest quality systems, 0% interest financing, and a 100% satisfaction guarantee. West Mechanical Heating, Air Conditioning, and Electrical. Contact them today at westmechanical.net. Get the latest news and information 24-7 with KGMI News Talk 790, 96.5 FM in Bellingham and mybellinghamnow.com. The opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of KGMI or the Cascade Radio Group. When someone is an advocate for a group of people, isn't it a little bit bizarre if they turn around and say that group of people doesn't know what they're talking about? Hundreds of farm workers now speaking out about overtime and the hardship that it's creating for thousands and thousands of families in this state who rely on working on farms to support their families, support their lives. And and they've been speaking out in really uh, dramatic ways, including at the state capitol. We're going to talk about that. But then just a few days after hundreds of people coming across the state. Just that in and of itself says a lot about how significant this problem is for farm workers, the farm worker community, and what is happening with overtime. Of course, we've talked a lot about this on the program here. Um, there, it's, it's a big deal. And, and so they, this group of folks, you know, put in a lot of effort to make this happen. To speak out yet a, a, just a few short days later, the people who claim to advocate for their community turning around and saying that those folks, those hundreds of people at the state capitol rallying on the steps saying, we don't want overtime, we want more hours, well, these so-called ac- uh, advocates for them, activists, extremists, if you ask me, said they don't know what they're talking about. What? Are, are those folks really even activists or, or advocates for that group at all? This has been, just gotten more bizarre as, as this issue evolves. And joining, and by the way, this is The Farming Show. Welcome. 
on a Saturday morning. Glad you're here on KGMI or listening on SoundCloud on our uh, Save Family Farming podcast. I am Dylan Honkoop with Save Family Farming. Joining me on the phone this morning, uh, Maya Espinoza with the Center for Latino Leadership. We've talked with her before on the program. This issue about overtime and agriculture, of course, it's putting tons of pressure on farms. Um, even hearing about more farms now that are having to go out of business in part because of the added cost of all this. But it's also hurting the farm workers. And, and we at Save Family Farming, and I know certainly you folks there at Center for Latino Leadership know that this is the most crucial fact that people need to become aware of. Something that was supposed to be good for workers over time is actually, as it plays out and is misapplied, a, a factory a nine to five office job kind of schedule superimposed on a seasonal farming just doesn't work. And it's created collateral damage for farm workers. Maya, first, uh, you know, you were in this hearing down in Olympia when when some of these more extreme groups uh, had some things to say. I want to get to that, uh, as well as the reaction from various legislators. Uh, but first, talk about your group bringing out close to 300 people to the steps of the state capitol um, just a little over a week ago. Yeah, Dylan, it's good to be back with you. Thank you for having me again on your show. And I'm so glad that we do have an outlet in the state talking about this issue. It's so hard, you know, as you can imagine, in kind of the Seattle region and the Seattle media market to get yeah. some press on this issue. And so I want to thank you for highlighting it and, and talking about it today. Um, I was in the hearing room and I was a part of this, I guess you could call it a movement, this, you know, upheaval of workers that have said, this is ridiculous. This is harming us and you need to listen to us. I was also part of the hearing last year um, related to this issue. Mm -hmm. It's the same bill that we're hearing. And the bill for folks who aren't familiar is a fix to this overtime issue. So the overtime issue has passed the legislature. They are mandating overtime for even seasonal agricultural work, something there is a nationwide, you know, kind of understanding of. And here we think we're different in Washington. I, I guess that's what you get when mm -hmm. folks who don't work in the industry are making policy for the industry. Uh, but last year when we heard this bill, you know, we had workers show up in English and in Spanish testifying to the fact that these overtime uh, mandates are causing them to earn less money. And the response from the legislature, I guess the majority, the Democrats in control of this committee, said in response to this testimony, you don't understand the, the whole bill. You don't understand the whole issue here. And if you did, you would know that this is actually good for you. And because they that was pretty, know better somehow. <laughs> exactly. That was pretty insulting. If you ask me, yeah. I mean, you're yeah. insinuating ignorance to this group of people that made this multi hour, you know, day long trek across the state to emphasize this point. You know, I mean, these folks have been sending emails, writing letters, making phone calls, and for them to be basically shunned was pretty bad. Um, what was also funny about last year's um, hearing is that we had the only folks that were actually opposed to fixing this overtime law 
were people not associated with agriculture. They were neither workers nor farmers themselves. Mm -hmm. They were people with opinions on the issue who really had no business having an opinion on the issues. Um, This year, I think the Democrats uh, tried something different. They tried a different maneuver to try to uh, alleviate that obvious oversight of theirs. And they trotted out union farm workers, um, basically all from the same organization. As I understand it, uh, only two of these guys were actually farm workers. Other folks just, (laughs) you know, were basically uh, people that were asked to make some talking points. Um, It was pretty sad because I I signed up, obviously, um, to testify in person. I, I didn't expect to have time to testify. I talked about this on Cairo radio last week, but that hearing had a list of a dozen bills and this was, you know, last on the list. So I wasn't real confident that I would get a chance to talk, uh, but I was hopeful that there were some folks that they would hear out. And, you know, much to my dismay, the chair of the committee, Senator Kaiser, um, said that she would allow one pro panel and one con panel. And of course, panel being a group (laughs) of three people. A a group of three or four people in this case um, to recite basically the talking points for and against. And then, of course, you know, you put out the four first. She made sure that the pro panel went first and then the con panel to kind of have that last word, uh, which, as you can imagine, offers no chance for rebuttal. Um, Some of the points that were being made by the con panel, I was just shaking my head so as not to be you know, escorted out of the hearing room. I mean, these were false allegations. And in many points, they were actually making the same points that we were, which is this is about affordability. Uh, Workers need to be, you know, paid more during a time when things are becoming more expensive. And, you know, unfortunately, one side of the, uh, you know, the equation here is making the case that over time will result in more pay, which has been proven false. This is not how it is working out. You can say that as many times as you want, that that's what's supposed to happen. But that's just not happening. I mean, totally reminds me of homelessness here. We just put more money into the homelessness (laughs) issue and it gets better. Right. The the, the data is. Yeah, exactly. And the data on this specific issue is is not on their side. Um, which right. is why they have to be really careful what they say about it, because the study in California is we had, uh, you know, Allie Hill from Cal Berkeley here on the program um, just a couple of weeks ago explaining this very thing that she's been researching that on the whole in California, where they've had a similar rollout, uh, arguably even less aggressive than the rollout of this o- agricultural overtime law here in Washington. They've had a similar uh, rollout, similar scenario, and she can show the numbers. It's resulted in overall less pay for farm workers. It was supposed to help farm workers. It's taking money now out of those same people's pockets. At what point, and you know, in some ways, Maya, and we're talking with Maya Espinoza right now, uh, director of the Center for Latino Leadership here on The Farming Show. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Um, You know, in some ways it's not surprising because these same groups that are continuing these talking points are the groups that were advocating for this change in the first place, making backroom deals and all these kinds of things, speaking publicly about how this was going to be great. They... 
honestly, I think they deceived a lot of folks into believing this would be a good thing. And yeah. now that it's not, they're doubling down, saying that it's other people's fault. It's the farmer's fault. Why don't they just pay it? Even though you have growers like April Clayton speaking publicly saying this put us out of business. Yeah. Well, if, yeah. if it puts a, a grower, an employer out of business, how is that good for the worker? Right. Or in many cases on the farms, uh, you know, the workers uh, have managers who have been assigned to, you know, you allocate the hours. You tell these folks that they have to go home. It's not us. These are your parameters. This is what you have to do. And these same, you know, managers who were recently workers are saying, I see the effects of what this policy has created. Please understand that this is resulting in less money for us. And, and, you know, that Cal Berkeley study that you referenced, really, when I read it, I was like, this is exactly what we've been hearing from farmers and workers. This puts it in data and shows that in California, this is happening. And if I remember correctly, Dylan, it also made a nod to Washington state and called out that basically this is coming down the pike for us. And it's no surprise. I mean, this is this was the warning. And it unfortunately, you know, if we fast forward the results here. Workers are making less money. Farms are going out of business. And what happens to our produce? Where do we get our fresh fruits and vegetables? Not a few hours away. We're importing it from other countries where we have no control over labor standards or the quality of the food coming in. I mean, it's just so backwards. Um, I just wished uh, that the Democrats were paying attention. And one of the things that really bothered me about this last hearing, too, is that Senator Saldana walked out during the pro panel. The entire time. And so I know she didn't you know, want to hear from the actual farmers and farm workers and their take on this situation. That certainly is what it looks like. And I know she's going through, you know, chemotherapy and all of these other personal issues. But she sure showed up for the con panel. She showed up for those mm-hmm. other folks saying all of the reasons why not to fix this law. Yeah. And she completely missed this testimony. And. You know, we we heard from the chair. Feel free to submit written testimony. Please do send it in. I have very little confidence that they're listening or want to hear it. In in fact, last week when we did this uh, rally at the Capitol and yeah, I I mean, we counted over 300 people that came to this rally. We couldn't get a single meeting with Democrat legislators. We were kind enough or, or Republican legislators were kind enough to meet with a few of our folks and even come out and greet the rally. We didn't have any Democrats that wanted to hear it. The closest we got, Dylan, was uh, Emily Randall, Senator Randall, opening her window to hear what all the fuss was about as our workers are chanting, no overtime, we want more hours. And she, you know, she actually made a comment along the lines of, yeah, you're right, you need more money. And they corrected her, no, overtime, we want hours, no overtime. Yeah. And it, so that was the closest we got to, but uh, she just shut her window. I don't think she want, was expecting <sighs> to hear that. <laughs> it, it's crazy. What what do these folks have to lose by listening to the, the people that they claim to represent? And in the case of Senator Saldana, we've talked a lot about her on this program and some of the things that she's stood for and the, the problems um, that has presented and I won't go into detail about all of that again now, but someone like herself who has a background as a union, a farm worker union activist, why wouldn't someone like that want to hear from the workers? 
And further, how can one group, and we're talking about community to community development, and I guess it's multiple groups, uh, community to community development, familias unidas por la justicia, they work hand in hand. I, I, I see them as a same entity of a lot of shared people and a shared purpose mm-hmm. speaking out on this. How can that one small group of folks then turn around and, and see this, you know, 300 some farm workers on the steps of the Capitol and say, all of those people are misinformed. All of them have been deceived. They don't know what they're talking about. It'd be one thing if it was one person or if it, if it was one other small group, but this is a lot of folks from a lot of different communities all over Washington state, all saying the same thing. And yet these these so-called advocates, which I don't think they even deserve the title anymore, have the guts, the cojones, if you know what I mean, to come out and say that th- those people just don't know what they're talking about. And we, based in Skagit County, with a single union contract with one farm, we know better and it works better our way, and this is the way that everybody should be doing it, so on and so forth. And we're going to stand opposed to a fix that workers are asking for that will help them. So now they're right. the ones standing against the help that farm workers need. It's yeah, totally and, backward. Well, and we try really hard at the Center for Latino Leadership not to prescribe an agenda that we come up with, you know, that our leadership comes up with, whether it's our board or, you know, leaders uh, on staff. Right. We try to teach self-advocacy tools for Latino communities across Washington. And so the first step in that process, when we first started hearing about this issue, was to go and host these listening tours and and talk with workers and find out, you know, what what's really going on and what are the workers really feeling? And to our surprise, workers and the growers were on exactly the same page about this issue. And that may not have been the case when these promises of overtime were supposed to result in better pay, more time with their families. The workers tell such heartbreaking stories about the more time that they have to spend away from their family because they've got to commute to the next job site in order to make the same amount of money and earn the same hours that they had in previous years. It's just not fair. And to, you know, come up with this narrative and and just bury your head in the sand, not listen to the people saying this is affecting me personally and I, you know, believe you wanted to have the best of intentions on this, but the results are not as we hoped is just really disappointing. I mean, we saw workers at this rally last week, you know, grab the microphone on their own, share their own story. This was not a scripted event. We did not provide talking points or pass out. You know, we didn't lead what the workers were saying. They did. Yeah. They made their own signs. So it's just unfortunate that that the Democrats in control of this committee just are refusing to hear these points, allowing four people to talk, two of them, which were farm workers, speaking in Spanish through a translator. You know, the, the yeah. messages were not well received. Um, and, and the opposition, in fact, were, were making false statements like, you know, the people being paraded out were all H-2A workers, foreign help coming to, you know, Washington state's <laughs> capital to testify in a state law. That was absolutely untrue. We surveyed 
the hundreds of workers that showed up to the rally, we didn't find a single H-2A worker that was there. Because these none are of those Washington con- State residents. Almost none of those H-2A contracts are even active right now. I mean, doesn't that just tell you how it's much wintertime. they know about this issue? <laughs> I mean, they if, don't that, know if, they, if the legislature about. believes that those that it's possible that these are H-2A workers, they must be very disconnected from the industry itself. And that is surprising to think that Senator Saldana, who who was, you know, a supposed activist in this community and in this this group of people wouldn't know that. Yeah. And whether they don't know that or or it's an inconvenient truth. And I think that's the case with a lot of the stuff around this issue is it's very inconvenient for the narrative that had been spun ahead of time. So we have folks doubling down on it's just the, you know, the the, the false perspective that they're sharing is well it's just the evil farmers being stingy trying to get rich on the backs of farm workers um you know and we talked about on this program um edgar franks with uh, familias unidas por la justicia um, yeah he got to testify he did and what he said in a committee work session Uh, for the Senate Ag Committee a couple of months ago where he was saying that farms were making record profits um, and people choking on their coffee saying, what are you talking at record profits? Right. It's it's beyond the pale. It's beyond what's credible. um, And it's sad to see that you know, the leaders that be only want to hear those with the false narratives and they are stepping away and, you know, turning a deaf ear toward those who are really in the trenches and experiencing the difficult consequences of these same leaders decisions. Yep. Yep, exactly. And, and, you know, we do thank the chair for allowing this bill to to get a hearing again this year. It was the day before cutoff. But, you know, this is what we refer to as a a courtesy hearing that clearly there was no message that was heard. It was an opportunity, you know, to say, well, we heard testimony from both sides. Mm, Did you? Didn't look like it to me. Yeah, absolutely. Maya Espinoza with the Center for Latino Leadership with us here on The Farming Show this morning. Thank you so much for uh, your time uh, to be here with us uh, on a Saturday morning, but more importantly, all the work that you're doing there for the Latino community in Washington State uh, and particularly the farm worker community in in your outreach and, and, and advocacy on these issues. We really do appreciate it, Maya. Well, thank you, Dylan. And again, thank you for, for the time on air today to talk about this and to, to lend my perspective from what we've seen. It, it's just such a shame that these folks are not hearing it. So I hope someone hears this, this interview today. And thank you again for the opportunity.